Welcome to The Great Awakening. I'm your host, Josh Dawes. My guest today is Michael Clary. He is a pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, whose church is putting on a conference next month called the King's Domain Conference, which is going to be about um, the need for clear speech in a confused age. I'm uh, honored to have been invited to speak at this conference, so I wanted to have Michael on to talk about the conference, why he felt that there was a need um, to encourage the church to speak clear in, uh, in this confused age. And uh, I think it's going to be a really uh, great event. And so um, I'll have some information at the end of the podcast on how you can sign up, uh, register for the conference, and more details. But um, before that, let's jump right into my conversation with Michael. Thanks for joining me, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right. So for our listeners, uh, why don't you give us a short rundown of who you are uh, and why you decided to put on this, uh, this conference? Um, name is Michael Clary, and I am a church planting pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio for the last 15 years. Uh, the church we started was in 2010. I'm counting in that 15 years, the two years of prep work of gathering a core group. So 2010 was our launch date. Um, so I've, I've started the church in the neutral world using Aaron Wren's framework of um, when the culture was more uh, hospitable to the Christian faith and being a Christian was at least a welcome amidst, amidst all the different ideas. And yet uh, during that period of time of my church's history, I was able to experience in real time, watch it play out in my congregation, um, the shift into the negative world where there is a need for us to um, be more plain spoken, more clear, because the there's a pressure on us to water down the message. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we say, it seems like the if you speak truth clearly, you're going to be a bigot, you're going to be a hater, you're going to be this awful person. Um, and so uh, given my personal history, the circumstances within my church and things I observe here, and observation of cultural trends and listening to other thought leaders on this, I was, I was thinking there is a need for other pastors, ministry leaders, Christians that are uh, interested in this to have some way to connect with each other because we're having a similar experience and that we're, we want to be kind. We believe in the fruit of the spirit. We want to speak persuasively, um, but we don't want to hold back on what's true. And, and yet we're, we have this experience of being um, regarded as hateful or bigoted. And, and so it's, it's kind of maddening to experience mm -hmm. this. So I thought this would be a, this is a good time to talk about this and have some other, um, other people that I have watched and listened to and benefited from their material. I know that have the, the value of plain speech. Let's bring us together and put on a conference and have a chance to learn from each other and uh, do that with whoever comes and attends with us. So that's, that was the big idea. Yeah. Well, I'm honored that you um, invited me to come speak. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's, it's very needed in the church today. Um, you know, I, I think we, we were talking a little before, I think we have very similar stories and, and kind of really em embracing a lot of the, you know, missional winsome uh, mm -hmm. ministry model that, you know, if we're just kind enough, if we're just, uh, you know, 
present the gospel in a way that, you know, softens the rough edges, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll gain a hearing that the, the world will, will want to, you know, know what we're about, know what we hear. And, um, like you said, just in the last, you know, 10 years or so, it's, it's really taken a turn where no matter how winsome you are, um, if you're not fully affirming, if you're not fully embracing, um, kind of the, the world's moral framework, uh, you're going to be, uh, receive that kind of that hostile pushback of negative world where you're a bigot, you're, you're hateful. And, um, it, the church is really, I think, struggling to adjust to that, um, this new kind of paradigm we find ourselves in. And, uh, a lot of people are doubling down on the winsomeness that, okay, we just weren't nice enough. Let's, <laughs> what, what else can we, uh, yeah. you know, what other rough edges can we kind of shave down? And, um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot, uh, to that. Um, what in your experience, uh, um, in particular, have you seen, uh, your, um, the people in your church, uh, struggling with where this, you know, you find that need for, uh, the clarity for clarity and, and discipleship on this. Yeah. So if we, uh, rewind about two, two and a half years ago, um, I believe it was September uh, or August of 2021, I believe. I did a sermon series on unity in the church. And one of the subjects I wanted to address was uh, big in the news, critical race theory. Um, and I thought this, this is something where I, I've seen people in my church get um, kind of bullied into acting, uh, acting in certain ways or speaking in certain ways to show that they're, you know, a, a friend to um, racial minorities and that sort of thing. But they're doing so in a way that is buying into a worldview that was concerning to me. And I didn't think that they were fully in, in the worldview but there were some signs that were concerning to me. So um, I preached a sermon on it, knowing that it would ruffle feathers. And I, I spent more time preparing that sermon than maybe any other sermon I'd ever prepared. Um, and going into that, that Sunday morning, I felt, felt great. I was thinking, I've, I've really, I've really uh, found a way to communicate urgently needed important truths in, in a very winsome way, in, a, in a, a way that is not bombastic, is not flamethrower rhetoric. It is reasonable, measured. Um, and after I, after I preached the sermon, I received uh, two really strangely conflicting types of feedback. I heard more positive feedback on that sermon than I've ever heard. And in in a, like literally people writing me handwritten notes telling me, I, I've always wondered about this. I've, I've not been able to understand uh, how this all fits together. And you really helped to, to see these dots connected. And I, what I did was I used a lot of Neil Shinvey's uh, framework for just mm -hmm. here, here are the essential themes. And I said, hey, Neil Shinvey's been very helpful. Let's look at this. He wrote on the Gospel Coalition, which was a trusted source for a lot of these folks. So uh, the people that were encouraged by it, I heard please give us more. We need to hear more about this. Please keep doing this. At the same time, I heard um, from a handful of people, extremely negative feedback that was like, 
you sound partisan. You're you're pushing Republican talking points. This sounds like Fox News. This, um, you know, that that really was uh, confusing or not helpful for people. And that what that did was that set off about a year or so, year and a half of a lot of discussion and conflict um, within our church that um, that really highlighted for me it, that the issue is not the tone. The issue is not that I was not being winsome or that I was being harsh. The issue was they did not like the content. Um, they did not want to be confronted with difficult truths or they wanted to, uh, didn't want to acknowledge that there were the negative world idea that was rejected out of hand by many of them that just mm -hmm. that the church has always been in exile. The church has always had problems without acknowledging the unique situation that we're in. And so it was, it was that that made it clear to me that um, it's not what we talk about winsome and that's top layer, but underneath that top layer, it's not about winsomeness at all. It's about content, but what are the things we're actually saying? And if you say a difficult truth in the most winsome way, which I did in that one message, the most winsome, approachable way, it's going to elicit a strong reaction. So what that did for me was it, it made me realize that I'm, there's no amount of winsomeness I can, can smather onto any given topic or message that's going to appease people who are opposed to the message. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, winsomeness itself is like a distortion field that alters the message because there are some things that need more urgency, even, even within speaking with kindness, gentleness, as the scriptures admonish us to. Some things do require a special amount of urgency. Um, and so I just decided this, is, this isn't going to work if winsomeness is our framework because it, mm -hmm. we have... I have a flock that needs to be shepherded. Um, and so um, that, that convinced me that this is, this is a change we need to make in our church. And we did. And it was, you know, it, there was some painful conflict that happened as a result. But um, that's, it, it is more of a priority now to where it's, it's a stated and known priority amongst our congregation. And our congregation is united behind it. But it was, it was a battle. It, it was a really challenging process to get through. Yeah. I, I, it's tough. I, I have so much compassion for pastors navigating this world um, right now. And, and I, I understand why pastors would be reluctant to step into some of these issues um, just because, you know, for so long we've tried to have like a really as big, a, as broad a tent as we can um, that kind of avoids talking about a lot of these issues. And if we can just, you know, be gospel centered, we'll just focus on the gospel. You know, a lot of, we can make room for a lot of different opinions on, on things. Um, but as, you know, I think as some of these issues become more urgent, um, there's a lot of sheep that are, you know, people in the, in the pews that are feeling lost. Like I, need direction like where where do we what what do i do my boss is asking me to put pronouns in my bio at work mm -hmm. and you know that you know my kid's teacher just sent home a gender unicorn that <laughs> how do i navigate these yeah. things and you know our our desire not to um 
not to cause disunity in the church is is oftentimes um, leading to greater disunity down the road when these things become a you know front and center thing that is no longer uh, you know a danger ahead, but a fire that we we've got to deal with right now. Yeah, and um, well, I think that people in a church they they don't feel protected because if they are dealing with this every day, the HR department or diversity, equity, inclusion training at work, or something like that, they're experiencing this in their day-to-day lives. Parents are experiencing it with their kids at school. And when they hear their pastor speak about it, even if there's no new content that they're learning, let's say they already agree with the point of view and they understand it. But if they don't hear their pastor talking out about it, they're going to know that they don't have, they're not going to have anybody that's got their back. And I want people in my church to know that as you face these challenges, um, that you've got a pastor and you have a church that's got your back. We're going to stand with you mm-hmm. because these things are that important. Because it's it's not it, it, it one of the big things that drives me is is the protecting of children because because mm-hmm. children are caught up in this web of deceit and they they don't have the knowledge or the discernment to find their way through it and they need parents that can help them navigate it. And they need churches that can equip them to do that. Winsome, this winsome mindset puts non-offensiveness in the driver's seat of the discourse. And that Mm -hmm. is essentially saying, Hey, non-believer, Hey, person who's an error, you get to drive the discussion. We're going to have the discussion on your terms. You're going to dictate to me what I can say or not say, because my driving interest is not offending you. Mm-hmm. But the people that are on the left that have bought into this ideology, they're offended by everything. There is nothing that won't offend them. And as long as we're accommodating that, I think the offensive posture will only grow. So it is, it is necessary for there to be at least pastors, a coalition of pastors that'll, that'll put up some resistance, um, for, if for no other reason, but for the sake of our own congregations. But I do think mm-hmm. that there is, a, there is a hunger within our within our country for more bold, outspoken truth on these things that will be edifying. So I, I, I do think we're at a bit of an inflection point with Christians. Some are being uh, red-pilled or black-pilled even, but they're getting, they're, they're, they're getting, um, there's an awareness of how urgent and important this is. And they're starting mm-hmm. to say, you know, enough is enough. I've tried the winsome thing and it didn't make anybody happy. It didn't persuade anybody. I didn't win anybody to Christ that way. Um, so I'm just going to start speaking my mind and that's what I started yeah. doing. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start speaking my mind. I used to twist myself into knots trying to not offend people. Um, and mm-hmm. I was, this is not a, this is neither effective nor is it godly. It's not ethical. Um, I'm just going to speak my mind and let the chips fall. And what I found is the response has been health and growth and vibrancy, even in my own church. Um, so I think I think it's a it's a turning point. It's a time for us to decide. And I want us to have a voice in telling other pastors, you're not alone. We're in this together. We can encourage each other. Yeah. I like to say that we've we've become really adept at speaking to be misunderstood <laughs> in a in a way that we're one <laughs> side of the aisle can hear what they want to hear and the other side can hear what they want to hear and um, then, you know, it's vague enough to not offend, but not technically 
running afoul of scripture that, you know, when pressed privately, you can retreat back to orthodoxy. No, 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 that's not what I right. mean. Um, and I think um, the, when we, when we as, as leaders talk in that way, we are discipling our, our people that are looking to us um, to, you know, engage in real life in that way. And, and it's really like kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever the chemical reaction that removes the saltiness from something, it, it's, it's taking the salt yeah. out of our, our presence in, in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yours is not the, the only church um, kind of coming to this realization. I've, you know, I've talked to several pastors that are um, really, I think 2020 was a wake up yeah. call for a lot of people that just uh, recognize that something in our approach is not, uh, not working, not in that, you know, it's, you know, purely pragmatic, but you know, our, our people are not being fed yes. and um, they're, they're desperate um, just for some direction. Uh, I've got a, um, my friend, Josh Howerton has talked about this a little bit, but he, um, he says that, you know, uh, there, you got three types of people. I think James Wood has, has kind of touched on this as well. You have three types of people in your congregation. You've got, uh, you've got the sheep that are looking to be led. Um, you've got fools that need to be discipled, that they'll kind of believe anything. And you got to be careful because there's people uh, trying to lead them astray. And then that third group is the wolves that are in our churches trying to um, take the, the, the fools and lead them in the wrong direction. And for too long, we've been kind of catering to the wolves. We've kind of uh, open the doors and churches for the unchurched. So come on in and yeah, sure. You can volunteer. Sure. You can, you know, be a part of this life group and that life group. And, but we're not discipling any of the bad ideas that they're bringing mm -hmm. in. And, you know, it's time that we've, we start speaking with clarity from the pulpit, from, you know, equipping classes, what, however it looks in your church, you know, the, we can't uh, just avoid these topics. Yeah. I, I love that framework sheep wolves and fools and i think that when you don't give clear messaging from the pulpit especially but within the church and the culture and the all the different classes your your fools can be recruited into the rank of the wolves and you because they are they're the mushy middle um people that don't know could be new believers that just need instruction mm -hmm. and if we've pre-committed well we're not going to teach on xyz topics because it might give offense or it might alienate an unbeliever that we're wanting to reach that might be a particular idol that they have that would trigger them if we talked about it the silence on that issue that everybody else is talking about will tell them well this must not be that important and then you leave mm -hmm. them at the mercy of those who are talking about it because yeah. they're reading about it on the news they're seeing it on tiktok youtube whatever their social media usage is it is out there and the instruction that they're encountering is not limited to the 40 minutes that they're getting in a Sunday sermon. I mean, I think yeah. that I've got 40 minutes to give some truth and all the rest of the days of the week are they're They're out there in the world. And the, uh, my friend Wade Thomas, who's on staff with me, he, he, he says like schools or churches and in the same way, the culture itself is like a church. It is our world is haunted by spirits. And this is a, this is a spiritual war and we're 
there is some battle for the souls of men and women, and there is a need for us to speak truth because they're not getting it here. They're going to get alternative teaching out in the world. And so it's, we leave them vulnerable and unprotected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it drives me crazy when um, evangelical leaders will, you know, criticize um, people for getting, you know, you're getting all your talking points and all your discipleship from Tucker Carlson and, but I'm like, well, then you talk, (laughs) tell us how to talk about these issues. Don't just avoid it. You know, Tucker's talking about it. That's why people are going to him. That's what is the Christian response to, you know, transgender bathrooms or or whatever it is. Um, We're getting from like uh, on gospel coalition, we're getting from them here. We're we're getting only one side of the message, which is, mm -hmm. okay, you have your transgender neighbor, friend or coworker. Here's how to love them. Here's how to um, show them the love of Christ. And it's always, it always leans in the affirmation direction. Correct. But yeah. when do when and do we it, confront them directly? That's not welcome. Yeah. What? How do we love the the children that are being targeted by that ideology? Oh, yes. And that's that's yeah, that's a, a, a key piece that a lot of our gospel centered uh, friends, you know, seem to leave out. Um, you know, we can see. I, I use this analogy on Twitter. I think over the weekend. We can see people headed into a burning building, but we don't want to say anything to prevent them because we're afraid of offending the people already in the building who don't want to acknowledge that it's on fire. Right. It's like, no, it's at a certain point, you've got to risk offending (laughs) one group to protect another group. And, And any sort of approach to this that is solely focused on you know, the people already in that, um, that lifestyle or part of that ideology is just really lacking. I saw that thread. Um, I thought it was a, it's a helpful metaphor. And I, I noticed somebody, I don't know who it was, was commenting on it. That was the classic, well, what about this or that person? And the whataboutism comes out. Um, and your response to, I, I think they were saying something about, well, what about this? person who is you're trying to reach them but they're caught up in this ideology and you your response to them was they're in the building already it's like they're they're one of the Mm -hmm. ones that doesn't want to acknowledge the building is on fire um and there has Mm -hmm. to be has to be somebody that is that is speaking out saying hey this building is on fire we need to get people out of here but there are some that are not open to reason they don't want to listen to it yeah and I, I, I'm encouraged because I see, I feel like people in the pews are, they've been concerned about this, but they haven't felt the permission um, to talk about it. And I think that's starting to change. Mm-hmm. We're um, at our church, we're going through, we're doing an equipping class on Carl Truman's Strange New World book. And it's just been amazing conversation each Sunday morning, you know, as we go chapter by chapter through that just it it just feels like people have been given the permission to oh we can talk about this at church this is great okay what about this issue and that issue and we had a discussion about furries yesterday so i mean it's it's uh it's those are the kind of things that we should be able to talk about at church without you know worrying about offending because people need discipling on this and and so i'm i'm hopeful do you teach this class 
Uh, I don't. One of our um, uh, pastors is teaching it and uh, doing yeah. a great job with it. Yeah, you you <laughs> you mentioned furries. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that I first heard about that ten years ago or something like that. And that's it's it's something that I remember only because it was weird. And mm-hmm. but who would have thought that that's the sort of thing that I'm going to need to know about? Um, and I heard about it because somebody on a on a message board with Acts 29, they posted a question saying, hey, I've got this couple in my church and this is what they're into. And that that opened up a thread, just a lot of guys chiming in and talking about it. And I'm like, I had never heard of this. And I think of um, Ephesians, I think it's four or five, when it when he talks about uh, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And then uh, right in that same vicinity, he said, it is shameful to speak of things they do in secret. So you have you have two sides of the same coin there, which says that there's some wisdom needed, some discretion needed. Like some things are of a sort that we don't need to know about it. It's and that mm-hmm. that is where a lot of folks that have criticized me have come from. Saying it doesn't matter if like if some guy down the street is transgender, what is that to me? It has nothing to do with it. Yet at the same time. We don't want to take part in that unfruitful work of darkness, but we need to expose it, not merely to, mm-hmm. not merely for his sake, but because this is a, this is contagious. This is a, a, a mindset that if you go on TikTok, if you go on Twitter, you see that it is everywhere. It is omnipresent. You can reach a certain age where you're not really online that much. You don't really pay attention to Twitter or social media and you're oblivious. And I imagine this part of our conversation <laughs> makes it into the cut of the the final people be like what's a furry i don't know but it's like people haven't heard of it but it's just one of the various kinks that people are into that when kink is becoming more normal and normal is becoming more on the margin we have to know about some of these things it is wise to do so mm-hmm. and it is foolish to avoid it because it's they're being influenced by it one way or another. Yeah. I mean, for the sake of our kids who are, you know, maybe not your kids, you, you may be a great parent who is keeping them, you know, off of social media. Do I highly recommend <laughs> do not let your kids mm-hmm. on social media. Um, but the kids that they're going to school with, or they're on the baseball team with, or, you know, whatever you have them interacting with parents who are not as, you know, vigilant on that. These influences are out there. You need to be aware and um, you need to honestly, you, you need to be talking with your kids on how to, you know, handle this stuff as it as it comes up. Um, you know, we've had some awkward conversations uh, in the dugout on our son's baseball mm. team. And, you know, it, it's you have to unfortunately have a lot of these conversations younger and younger just due to the world yeah. we're living in. Um, and so that's, yeah, again, that's where the church can provide so much discipleship. You mentioned the dangers of social media. And I think that there's a, there's a mindset of the social media. So social media is dangerous. Therefore I want to get my kids off of these social media platforms or never let them get on the social media platforms as though that, that resolves the issue. Um, but if, if you take one kid away from that, but their friend group is all on it, then there is still a social part. They, your child might not be in the media part, but the social part is still very much alive. 
and these things mm-hmm. they they travel and like the it's like these sins they they appear in clusters to where you'll have a friend group at school where you know in a, a graduating class of 200 200 kids you have one particular friend group and all these girls are saying that they're transgender or they're non-binary or they're bisexual or something because they influence one another and even if you have one child that isn't on Facebook or Instagram in that group all of her friends are doing it and they're reinforcing one another's thoughts they're affirming one another's uh fears and they they participate in it together and these these do happen in groups uh like it, there's a I don't know the stats offhand but it is it is overwhelmingly uh obvious that that friend groups of girls in particular they influence one another i think the social media part in that environment is is more fuel on the fire but the fire is already there within their relationships all right so this conference is uh we're recording this in march of 2023 uh conference is next uh next month april uh what what are the dates April 13th through 15th. I say that I'll check my calendar. Mike, is that right? Yeah. April 13th through 15th. All right. So I'm going to be speaking. Uh, Chase Davis is going to be there. He's also been a guest on the show. Aaron Wren, uh, also a guest. Um, Michael Foster, who uh, looking forward to, to meeting him and getting to know him. Um, uh, and you're going to be speaking. Uh, anything else anyone needs to know? Where where can they go to find more information? Um, the probably the simplest thing would be go to our King's Domain website. Um, so it's kings-domain.com, kings-domain.com, and there's a there's a, a page on there for events, and uh, you can get all the information there. And um, there's a link to register through Eventbrite. Um, but yeah, King's Domain is, it's a church-based ministry that we do out of my church here. Um, kind of like Desiring God is to John Piper's church. King's Domain is our just kind of a media uh, conference content generating wing of our church that is putting on the conference. Awesome. Well, yeah, I highly encourage people to uh, attend that. It's going to be good. Are you going to be recording the, the talks? Yes. We are, um, we'll have all of them on, um, recorded on video and should be, you know, high quality videos produced for all of the messages. Uh, I think nine, eight or nine sessions we should have total. Um, so I should be able to post those, uh, online after the conference is over. Excellent. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but don't wait for the video. You should come in person, um, hang out with us. I'll be a lot of good, um, you know, talking with my wife, uh, it's just so refreshing to be with people who kind of get what time it is and, you know, recognize the need to do something about it. And so that I think that's what I'm looking you know, as much as I want to hear all those guys speak. I'm looking forward to that time uh, just with, you know, some guys, uh, some, um, you know, other uh, brothers and sisters that understand what we're up against. And uh, just I think it's going to be a really encouraging time. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that because the we want to build into the schedule um, a lot of we don't want to over program, so we want to have uh, the the main sessions and then lo- lots of 
uh, lingering breaks between sessions. And the conference is not going to be uh, super big. So I think there's the opportunity to meet people and connect without being overwhelmed by a massive crowd um, will be a great opportunity. That That's the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is um, meeting other people that see things the same way, that want to connect. And I'm hoping to come away with lots of new friends and people I can connect with. So, and it, Josh, I've, I've, I've loved your work, your, your podcast, your Twitter presence has been so encouraging, edifying, refreshing for me. Um, looking forward to getting to speak to you in person and um, hang out with some of these other guys that are coming. I think it's going to be a blast. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you as well. Um, before I let you go, I like to end each podcast with um, a question. Um, what is giving you hope right now? That is a great question. I, I would say um, the, my, my hope is, is theological that I'm having to apply it to my circumstances because the circumstances are, uh, are pretty dire. If we're, if we're um, being really honest about seeing what time it is, um, there's a lot of things that are greatly concerning to me. Um, so what gives me hope is my confidence that Christ has overcome that Jesus is not defeated, that the church has seen uh, waves of, um, you know, just really dark turns into sin. And we've seen uh, great awakenings uh, of movements of God throughout history. Um, so knowing that there is an ebb and flow, um, historical um, back and forth, as it were, that, that gives me hope because I know that God is in control and that this is a point in time and that ultimately um, I, I'm not. I don't have my eschatology. Like I know some people are in our that think this way. They're post millennial, and that's that they're really driving hard at that. I'm not sure I'm there yet with post millennialism. I'm more amillennial, but either way, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm an optimistic amillennial. It's like I think people working. God calls people to work, and that He blesses the effort. So um, that gives me hope, knowing that Christ is supreme. He rules. The name of our church is Christ the King. We've believed this uh, from the beginning. Um, so that gives me a lot of confidence and um, that no matter what our present circumstances are, Jesus is king. He reigns. He wins. So that that helps me sleep easy at night. Amen. I love it. Um, well, thank you so much, Michael. I look forward to hanging yeah. out with you next month and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Josh. That's our show for today. Big thanks to Michael Clary for joining me for this conversation. If you'd like to sign up for the conference, you can head to kings-domain.com events. Again, the dates uh, for that conference are April 13th through 15th, 2023. If you're in the Cincinnati area, I would love to see you there. I'm going to be speaking as well as Michael Foster, Aaron Wren, Chase Davis, uh, Michael Clary. Uh, but you know, beyond just the speakers, it's going to be a great opportunity to connect with other people who recognize the crazy culture we're living through, the, the cultural forces and changes that are happened and are really trying to think through how best to respond as Christians. So I think it's going to be really encouraging. Uh, it's going to be, um, you know, I'm looking forward to connecting with some people uh, I only know online to connect in real life. So if you're going to be there, please uh, send me a message. I would love to connect with you in real life. And um, 
If you can't make it, don't worry. I think the, the talks are going to be um, recorded. So uh, once those are available, I will uh, be sure to tweak those out so you can um, see those. Uh, if you found this conversation helpful, please share it with your friend. Um, anything you can do to promote the show and to get it to others uh, is really appreciated. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit like and subscribe so you don't miss, miss, miss future content. Uh, if you listen on podcasts, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are always helpful. Until next time, I will talk to you soon.